So, hey, friends, uh, you know, tonight I've got uh, Dr. Tim Minton, uh, who's in Savannah, uh, Georgia, and, um, you know, real excited to have him on. Uh, he's had really incredible success over the past many years uh, in facial plastic surgery. He had an interesting route, which, you know, I, I one of the reasons I do this is because so many of the young people I run into at the meeting, first of all, are very grateful for this podcast because... Um, there's so much learning and honest sharing uh, on this podcast. So, uh, Tim, thanks uh, again for taking time, you know, to join me out of your crazy busy schedule. Tim, by the way, was I, I think it was 2010, right? My fellow in 2010. Yeah, 2009, 2010. That's 9, right. 10, after, after yeah. the year after the uh, Fata. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyway, but welcome and, and thanks, Tim. You've been out now, you. you know, a number of years. Um, mm -hmm. So you certainly have. Uh, accomplished a lot, but you also have some insight to share, which is what people, you know, even people who've been out 15, 20 years are going to learn some things tonight. So tell us, you know, what, what's your, what's your practice like now in Savannah, mm -hmm. you know, kind of maybe in, you know, five minutes or so, just tell us, you know, what's sure. it like and, 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 you know, and where you're going. And then I want to start back mm -hmm. at, you know, how you started and, and what some of your goals were and kind of the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, th thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor and uh, it's nice to nice to be, you know, doing this with my mentor. But um, yeah, I, uh, I've been in Savannah, Georgia, about eight years now. And my practice is entirely facial plastic surgery. I initially came down and joined a group of subspecialty ENT physicians. So um uh, basically, a couple were doing otology and pediatrics, and they really wanted a facial plastics person. Um, so that's when I started, and then kind of my practice has morphed into uh, kind of doing more, you know, what I do in a, in a solo fashion. But um, yeah, it's a I have a busy practice. It's uh, again entirely facial plastic surgeon. We have a pretty busy aging face practice, rhinoplasty. Um, I do. I've done less and less reconstruction over the years. But I still um, have a couple of Mohs surgeons that refer to me. So my reconstruction, uh, reconstructive practice consists of Mohs, Mohs procedures, and I do occasional um, functional rhinoplasty. Hard to, hard to walk away from the skin cancer a little bit, isn't it? I mean, do you, do you, ha, you know, you tell me why. <laughs> well, it, our area is uh, very underserved in good reconstructive surgeons. We have a huge skin cancer uh, population, basically, because we have we just have a lot of aged patients here. Um, a lot of people come here to retire. We have you know Hilton Head and Bluffton, South Carolina, right around the corner, and we have a lot of um, obviously sun worshiping patients and uh, patients that spend a lot of time in the water. So there's a ton of skin cancer, and um, again, there's there's not a great uh, service here for facial reconstruction. So I kind of, that's how I really developed the practice when I came here. And um, I still really enjoy doing it. And I'm just not quite ready to give it up, but it's become more and more difficult. It's as, hard. Yeah. As the, 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 my aging face practice has grown a bit, it's, it's really a challenge to juggle everything. So I, I've had, I've utilized mid-levels to kind of help me out, but uh, but that's kind of where I'm at in my practice now is deciding, you know, I got, uh, I'm approaching 50. So I'm like, what do I want the next 
you know, 15 to 20 years to be like. And so we're, we're really starting to think, you know, we've, we've cut back quite a bit on the reconstructive side of the practice. So we're kind of trying to figure out how that's going to fit into the next, uh, the next few years of practice. Yeah. Would you say you do it a half a day a week? Day a week? Uh... Yeah, it's, I would say at this point, it's probably about 25% of my practice. So I'll do, I'll, I'll spend, um, you know, I'm in the OR at, at least three days a week. And um, at least, you know, one of those days, maybe three quarters of one of days, I'm doing Mo's cases. Um, like mm-hmm. yesterday, I did eight cases. Um, I had two rooms running and, um, and about half of those were Mo's reconstructed cases. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you mix them in? Do you try to segregate, you know, keep them separate or do you, cause you um, know, you don't want to be like doing skin cancer and then a facelift, right? Yeah. I mean, we, I don't, I don't have my own surgery center yet. We are, we're actually starting a build um, next month um, and include a larger office and surgery center. Um, so now I utilize a multi-specialty surgery center and I use, I use the hospital, but our, our aging face practice has gotten so busy that we're starting to, you know, use the hospital for those cases. So, um, you know, like yesterday I did, uh, three blepharoplasties and fat transfers, you know, commingled with, you know, forehead flap and a couple right. other most cases. So, you know, yeah, we kind of mix, mix them up just, just depends, but yeah, I'll do, I'll do like you know, a case the day where I'll do like one facelift in the morning and then, you know, maybe a rhinoplasty and then finish it off with three Mo's reconstructive cases. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we had a, I, I did it for <clears throat> gosh, probably, you know, 20, 20 some odd years, 24, 25. And I really gave it up when slaughter came on board and mm-hmm. I had a hard time for, I was ambivalent about giving it up, not for me personally, but just in the practice because you know, we built a reputation in the community. It's good for the fellows. Um, that I want, I don't want my referrals and derms to think I'm too good for myself, you know, kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's really hard, but it does get to a point that it really starts to undermine your aging face because you just don't have time for the clearances and all those things that just take time. Um, mm-hmm. Joe DeFata is doing it and, uh, you know, my son-in-law is joining us now. So he's going to, they'll be sharing it because, you know, uh, he's booked out so far with skin cancer and people don't want to hear they're going to be too much. You're going to lose them. So, right. um, so do you, are you doing any of your own injections still? I know you have a nurse working with you mid some mid levels. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, the way, you know, we still, and I don't know how, how it's working in your practice, but, but we still have a lot of patients that request me specifically. Yeah. So what we tell the patients is, you know, they can see me, I'll do fillers and Botox. It just may be a little bit longer, but wait, get in to see me just cause I'm in surgery three days a week. Right. So as long as the patients plan ahead, um, they'll get in to see me and I'll do those on certain days. Um, mm-hmm you know, where I, where I'm seeing cosmetic consults and I'll do a couple of fillers in between. Um, it, you know, I, I'm like you, it's not, it's not the most enjoyable part of my practice. Right. I do, I'm much happier in the OR, but I do like the FaceTime I get with, with the patients. Sure. And what I find is that, you know, me treating them with fillers or Botox, uh, are always like mini consults, you know? So a lot right. of those patients really convert, over to surgical patients, whereas I feel like my my uh, injectors, RN and mid level injectors, 
you know, they just don't have that that skill to talk to patients. Yeah, they're they're, they're blind to that to some degree, you know. Right. <clears throat> they don't right. see it as much. Um, mm -hmm. So when you when you first, how long were you with the ENT group in Savannah? And was so, it a separate group or was that part of like a multi-specialty thing? Yeah, how it worked was when we, you know, I was in practice in New York for upstate New York for about five years. And um, when we started looking at, at, you know, changing locations and changing practice type, um, I joined, again, these subspecialist ENT doctors. And basically what they were doing, they were going from a pure private practice situation to a um, not employed physician practice, but what we call physician service agreement with one of the hospitals. So basically the hospital is going to provide a new office and cover some overhead in return for, you know, us doing surgeries in their surgery centers and hospitals. So, uh, so when they were in the midst of doing that, that's kind of when they got in touch with me, you know, had my resume and, you know, said, Hey, listen, we had a facial plastic surgeon a few years ago in the group. He left, there's a good opportunity. So how it worked is we, we basically signed on with a hospital under an agreement, um, not in a fully employed agreement. And um, they were really receptive to me. You know, it came down and said, listen, I want to build a facial plastics practice, but I do want to do cosmetic surgery. I want to develop a med spa. So they were really good about supporting that. And mm -hmm. um, we, did, we did an office build out. And we still have that um, agreement with the hospital. It's just as an individual practice now as, a, as opposed to a group practice. So you eventually just broke out of that practice. Yeah, we, we eventually kind of, now we do share some, you know, overhead and we use the same billing company, but we all have our own individual agreements with the hospital. So the pediatric ENT part mm -hmm. of the practice has agreement, otology. Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of the, how the practice has morphed over the last few mm -hmm. years. Was that an awkward transition? I mean, did, did, did you know, with your partners or associates now, they, they understood? Not really. I mean, we don't compete with each other. Right. Um, <clears throat> it, it worked out very well. I, you know, when I came down, I, I told them I wanted a completely separate office because, of, right. you know, I just didn't feel like doing facial plastics out of an ENT office was the right thing to do. So, so I've always had a separate office and it just kind of was, was a natural sort of progression of, of what we started. Yeah. So going back a ways, you know, I remember mm -hmm. when you were with me, you know, we talked and some personal stuff at the sink and you were like, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be honest. Cause I, I, you know, I look at you, you're an entrepreneur now, right? You're doing your own thing. You're mm -hmm. taking risk. People don't, mm -hmm. I, I used to hate that word because I thought it had a negative connotation, but you know, um, people who don't take risk don't understand, mm -hmm. but when you take risk and you, you know, you, you take it on the chin, um, you become better at it and you become better at it and, and eventually you make fewer mistakes. But you said to me once, I remember you said, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a family where, you know, my, you know, money was always a topic of conversation. And I, I always told myself, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I love what I do as a surgeon, but I always told myself that, you know, I, I did, I wanted to be able to take my kids and my family on vacation and I have to stress out about that. Do you remember telling me that or no? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, so when you left, I mean, it, mm -hmm. I remember you and I talking about it and you're like, look, I'm not in a position to take risk right now. Correct. So, so was that part of your reason why, and how did you, you know, joining the, the system that you did and, and just tell us a, a little bit about 
that decision and and how it worked out and and you know why you did what you did. Yeah, I. And what um, were the down? What were the downsides? You know, as far as yeah, there were there were upsides and downsides, yeah. and you know, looking back, I think it was the right it was the right decision. I mean, essentially, what I did was, you know, towards the end of fellowship year, you know, I I was uh you know as a fellow, I was married and had two two children, and at that point, my wife hadn't worked for a few years. She was a teacher, so you know, we were pretty, we were pretty broke. I mean, you paid us really well, but that being said, it, you know, we, we were, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was in the position to go out and start a facial plastic practice. I honestly didn't know exactly where I wanted to be geographically. And, um, I really felt like I needed to kind of make some money and, and kind of figure things out first. So I took a, a job with a large multi-specialty group that had a, you know, great salary guarantee. I mean, I think a lot of trainees see these opportunities. And for me, it was like, okay, I, I can get out, I can make a good salary. You know, I can, you know, get on my feet a little bit, you know, pay off some student loans, kind of reset a little bit. Um, so I did, I joined, you know, a large group uh, with three hospital system uh, in upstate New York. And it was a hybrid practice. It was ENT and facial plastics. They actually had a medical spa there that they wanted me to kind of get going and run. So I did. I did get some injectable experience right off the bat, and um, I developed a skin cancer practice, functional rhinoplasty practice. We didn't see a ton of aging face until you know the end of my tenure there, which was only about five years. But I was super busy from day one, and um, I think the advantage of it was you know when you first get out and practice. Um, yeah, you've, you've got all this knowledge and, and, um, you've seen a lot of things, but man, operating on your own and doing things on your own without, you know, the, the comfort of knowing somebody's there to back you up is a totally different world. And Something people can't understand, right? It just, yeah, you can't, you can't you understand it until you're there. <clears throat> yeah. You grow up fast and man, I was busy doing all sorts of crazy cases. I was taking trauma call every other night. So it was kind of one of these situations where, um, I, you know, you kind of hit the ground running and you just kind of hone your skills, even though I was doing some ENT, um, it was great. And, um, you know, I made a great living and I paid off my debt and, you know, my loans and everything like that. And I remember you were, you know, you had substantial, you know, without talking numbers, you, you had, you were, you know, you had substantial medical school debt. Yeah, I did. I, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have help from my parents, you know, paying, paying for that. So I did have a fair amount of debt. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it, for me, I, I think it would have been, I, I'm sure I would have made it happen if I had kind of started from, from ground zero and, and kind of built a practice, but, um, it, it would have been a lot more stress and yeah. this kind of, so, so that was a positive. I think the negative was obviously I had to, you know, I moved again and, um, you know, just had to kind of start things. Yeah. Over. Well, you so, made, you made a good point though. You said yeah. you, cause I remember when you were a fellow, you always kind of thought you wanted to be Carolina's mm -hmm. Georgia. You know, I think you had an uncle down in uh, Charleston, yeah, Charleston, and yeah, and so that always was, and and you know this was, and also remember too. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're paid on an RVU basis, so right. you know it didn't matter what you were taking care of. You were, and by the way, you know the doctors do okay on that because the hospitals get paid so well. 
Mm-hmm. They get paid so well, their facility fees, that they can afford to float you, you know, a higher, whether it's Medicaid or higher RVU. So I think mm-hmm. it was a really wise decision, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was, yeah, it was a great decision. Um, and again, it kind of, it met the need that I needed it to meet at yeah. that time in my early career. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, it's always easy to criticize and say, you know, kind of, man, I wish I had just gone, you know, moved to where I wanted to move and, you know, opened up a practice. But, you know, I don't think I would be in, in the market in the city that I'm in if it wasn't for where I kind of started. Yeah. Um, and so it just allowed us to kind of, you know, get on our feet, figure out our priorities, figure out what where, what we wanted to do. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, we train in ENT for five years and, uh, uh, or most of us. And, uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's kind of nice to just, you know, own those skills a little bit before you stop, stop using them again, you know, yeah. um, cause they still, they still overall, you know, the more you do, the more your overall surgical skills improve. So no, so I, I don't, I don't regret it. I mean, mine, you know, I, the early days I was very busy with trauma and that's what helped mm-hmm. me become a better surgeon. Um, mm-hmm. Any, you know, looking back, if you had to do it over again, you know, what, mm-hmm. what were like some of the big, bigger mistakes? If you can, you know, if you listen, I, I'm not one to beat up on my past, yeah. but you know, what, what lessons did you learn mm-hmm. back then that if you had to do it over, you do a little differently? Yeah, I think I would, um, I think I would take more risk earlier. Um, you would? When I, when I got, well, especially when, not so much, um, you know, when I was first in my practice, but ne- when I moved down here and kind of just dedicated to facial plastic surgery, um, and, I, and I saw the trajectory of the practice, which, you know, takes time. It took a couple of years to, before sure. you really started to see where your reputation was going, where the practice was going. Um, you still have this uncertainty. You know, I started out, like, as you know, in, you know, right in the, the wake of 2007, 2008, 2009, right. when things were, you know, a little uneasy, Tight. to say the least. But um, so, so you just kind of, I think I would have, you know, kind of trusted where my practice was going. You know, right now we're, now I'm taking the risk. Now I'm building the building. Now I'm building the surgery center. You know, unfortunately, I'm doing it at a very expensive time uh, in construction and loans and everything like that. So, I mean, who would have known? But I, I think if if I could do it again, I would, you know, I would say, you know, and, and certainly plastic surgery as a whole has, as you know, has really gained some major popularity and momentum, probably mostly, you know, since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have, I probably would have taken those risks and, and, you know, made those changes and bought the, you know, bought the building or built the building and built easier the said center. than done though, you know, is easier said than done. And, you know, there's no sense beating myself. And I know <clears throat> we just did a complete renovation of the building, you know, mm-hmm. uh, without getting into it. I mean, but you know, everything, you know, siding, roof, windows, yeah. Gutted and renovated 9,000 square feet for our, you know, for a medical spa. We've filled the whole building now, but awesome. this renovation cost me more the entire, than the entire building, Tim. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it was pro it was probably something you were contemplating years ago, right? Well, no, we we had a mm -hmm. misfire with the first builder, and um, mm -hmm. you know, as it turned out, then I went and hired an engineer, you know, and and you know, spent a lot of money on that. Mm -hmm. And just as we we're getting ready to go, and I remember, you know, the 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 builder who was ready to start in the fall. He started last spring. Who's you know I know well, and he said, Ed, I, I hate to tell you this, but it's going to cost you thirty percent more. Thirty in one yeah. year. Yeah. So you know what? What was I going to do? I I mean, we're you know we're we're struggling mm -hmm. with our inability to grow and accommodate, and so I just said, screw it. You know, I hadn't yeah. didn't have a lot of debt at that point, but um, yeah, it's it's you know, risk is a funny thing. You know, I mean, you mm -hmm. don't have you know partners yet, and but I always, you know, I always, you've heard me preach all these things. You have all these one-liners. And, but one of them I always tell people is, you know, you can't expect someone else to take your risk and mm -hmm. then for you to benefit from it. It doesn't work that way. Right. Because right. risk is a, uh, I mean, we could talk for hours about risk um, mm -hmm. and being risk averse. And because people, you also have to, you know, get your wife on board too, because, you know, um, and you can't be reckless about it because I have seen, I've seen plastic surgeons go bankrupt. You know, over leverage. Mm -hmm. I have in my time, yeah. especially the 2008 time frame. I actually know one from Charleston. Guy had been in practice for, you know, 15 years and just over leveraged on technology. And all of a sudden the bottom falls out and, you know, now you're servicing debt and you don't have the income to, to, to uh, so, you know, risk is a funny thing. What, you know, you, you say, you know, thinking about maybe would have taken a little bit risk sooner, but mm -hmm. that's because you've had this success, you know? So, right. It's uh what was your decision to like real definitive decision to move to Savannah? Um, mm -hmm. you know, what was that like? Was it when you said, okay, we got our debt paid off? I mean, what was mm -hmm. the, what was the decision maker? Yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, my wife and I, my wife grew up outside of New York city. I've, I've spent my whole life in the Northeast, you know, yeah. outside of Philadelphia and upstate New York. Um, I think we were looking for a, ch a change in weather. I think that was a big difference. Neither of us were really cold weather, snow people. And, um, Plus you, you, know, you want to have a boat. We wanted to have a boat. We got the boat. <laughs> I just, and then, and then we, we started, you know, we started looking at cities in the Southeast. My wife said, there's no way I'm leaving the Eastern time zone because her whole family is outside of New yeah. York city. And, and, you know, if it was up to me, I'd go anywhere. I'd go out West, wherever. But I, I you know, I, I said, you know, I kind of want to look at the East Coast, but I didn't really want a large, a large, large market like in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, did, I did look a, bit, a little bit in Charlotte, but I didn't, I didn't really want to do that, you know, sitting in traffic commute. It's just not me. It's not me. I, like, I hear you. You know, it's I, how I, I am. Be outside. Totally yeah, like just, yeah. It, it doesn't. You know, quality of life for me, as you know, we talked about this when I was a fellow, is important. So, so I kind of, and I love, I love the coast. Um, I started spending some time in Charleston, and I just love that the Low Country coast. It's beautiful. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of history. Um, so that's kind of how we honed in on this part of the country. And then this, you know, this opportunity was kind of serendipitous, and it, it, you know, did they reach out to you? Did you see them? They did. Yeah, they happen? reached. They reached out to me. Um, somehow they got my CV. I don't know if a recruiter had it or whatnot, but it was. Um, yeah, they kind of called me up, and I had never been here before, and I came down on a beautiful fall day. Stayed in downtown Savannah, which is a beautiful place, and um, you know, kind of felt like, yeah, this is it. 
this is it. And it was a good opportunity from a practice standpoint. There was a lot of plastic surgeons in this area, a lot of big groups, but um, no, uh, no subspecialists. And um, so I, I felt like it was a, it was a, it was, it was a risk, but it was very, very calculated and, and mm-hmm. very, um, and it was supported too, obviously by the hospital. So. Which was um, huge, right? I mean, you know, I yeah. remember when you, you telling me your situation and I'm like, Mm. Damn, that's like sweet. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. I know. Is this real? <laughs> can you tell me how you did this? Yeah. What, yeah. What, did, what did the hospital do to support you? How did they? I, you know, I came down actually, you know, I had the dinner with a CEO and, you know, I was just honest. I was like, you know what? I want to, you know, I want to do this. This is, this is where I want my practice to go. You know, um, and I think it definitely helped that uh, we were a subspecialty ENT practice, you know, so it was, we did, I bet it was fellowship trained. So it kind of was, it was logical to include a facial plastic surgeon, but I couldn't believe how supportive they were about a separate office and, you know, supporting the cosmetic side. Huge. Um, it was huge. It was, the, issue it was, the, the hospitals really don't make money on the cosmetic stuff. They, they don't. Um, yeah. They do well in the reconstructive stuff. They don't do well in the cosmetic. In fact, a lot of our colleagues are struggling to get OR time, you know, because the ones that don't have their own ORs. Yeah. And we're, you know, we have that issue here too, because we're, you know, we're a growing area and, and the hospital systems really haven't caught up with the amount of OR space need. And, you know, we're a CON state. So the hospitals fight multi-specialty sure. surgery centers tooth and nail. So, so we're kind of in the same situation. I've seen the writing on the wall and that's, you know, one of the, you know, reasons why, uh, you know, we're, we're building our own surgery. You almost have to, I get it. Yeah. So I'll tell you a couple of things. Just um, I did some work for a, a facial plastic surgeon in Vancouver. Just wanted my opinion on some stuff. He and his, his wife, his wife flew here and, you know, they're trying to like, you know, with 50, 52, trying to figure out next steps. Mm-hmm. So I spent a you know, few hours with her really gathering all the information. And I, you know, so I said, what are your biggest choke points? What are your, and, and what it was is our time. And, and so, so if you want to know what a more socialist type, government control society is like, um, they basically are trying to shut down the surgery centers because what they, you know, the the aesthetic or cosmetic surgeons, because they feel like these guys are going off the rails. I want them doing the, uh, you know, government work. I want them taking care of the patients. You know, we, so we support their education and now they're doing cosmetic stuff. So they did some crazy stuff. And one of them was like, my ceiling height is our, in our surgery centers, 10, 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they mandated a new rule that a surgery center ceiling height had to be 12 feet. That would, cro- that would close me. And, yeah. and, and so, you know, imagine if the hospitals or government had more control and, and as a, you know, and between that and the nursing shortage and, you know, we've, I've had colleagues of mine, thank God I had a surgery center because we crushed it during COVID. Um, but I had friends of mine that, you know, between the nursing staff shortage and then them cutting back their OR time, they were, you know, they're, they're getting hurt big time. Um, Mm -hmm. so having your own place is a, is a, you know, is a big plus if you can, if you can, you can swing the bat and, you know, hit that ball. Um, but I think it's just free. It's free having freedom to do, you know, to do what you want and not be not be beholden to another organization, I think is, yeah. is really important, I mean, especially as resources become, like you said, more scarce or, or more, you know, regulation becomes more onerous. I mean, it's, you know, 
yeah. you know, I think in our, in our business, you just, you have to be kind of a standalone. Um, yeah. The people who stand alone and take the risk do seem to do better, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what was probably your biggest challenge? Would you say when you first started there, mm -hmm. what was, what's, you know, you know, what was your biggest challenge? How'd you overcome it? Sure. And lessons yeah. learned. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I was starting a practice from, from nothing. So it was basically coming into a community without a facial plastic surgeon, trying to convince them that, you know, they should refer to me instead of these established, you know, plastic surgeons. Of, of large plastic surgeons. So um, that was the most challenging. I, you know, I did, I did what I thought we had to do. I went around and met, you know, met the, all the dermatologists. Painful, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and just kind of, you know, and, you know, most, most of them probably just like, yeah, whatever. Um, and it took a while to start getting, um, I remember it took me probably, I think it took me over a year to get a Mohs surgery referral. Yeah. And I got, I got my first Mohs surgery referral and it was in the summertime. And I'm pretty sure the reason I got it is because the plastic surgeon that this particular Mohs surgeon referred to was on vacation. Yeah. And it, How it happened. So you just yeah, gotta get and, your nose under the tent. <laughs> yeah, and I took you know I took took a pre photo, post photo, sent it to him, and he was like blown away because yeah. it was just you know that extra you know that extra steps that we take. Oh yeah, and then that's kind of how it started, and um, you know, and the other thing too, I didn't have the luxury of doing trauma because they don't have face call here; mm -hmm. they have a general plastics call, and I don't obviously do body or burn work. Yeah, I you uh, know that's where where how it was, and you trained in Syracuse like I did, and you know all of a sudden yeah. I come here and, and it's a different environment, and mm -hmm. I didn't have that opportunity even, and uh, yeah. and I remember going around and they'd be like, oh, like in the ERs, they'd be like, so are you like Maxolo facial? Yeah. I'm <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm ENT, but I did. I, I'm a. I did my my boards were whatever. My first training was in ENT, and so I had some real communication issues earlier. On. Did you experience any of that? I did. Yeah, they kind of, you know, they, you know, they weren't used to a facial plastic surgeon, so we we had to do some marketing, and you know, I didn't get too much pushback from the plastic surgeons. Um, you know, I'm sure I got, you know there was some talk about, well, he's, he's really an ENT yeah, surgeon. Yeah. Um, but you know, they were, they were pretty good to me, you know, and now, you know, a lot of them refer to me. So it, right. it, there was a, there, I think there was a little bit of a, you know, one, one of them would send me ENT consults. I think oh, just yeah. it pissed me off, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, earwax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like I did a facelift on this patient and now they, she had some ear pain. That, literally, that was like, what oh, was that right? Counsel. Can you take a look at her? You know, and I was like, okay. But, you know, and it's just, just kind of, yeah. So, um, um, but I think that was the hardest part was convincing the public and convincing the referring doctors in an area that didn't really have a facial plastic surgeon that they're, right. you know, there was a difference. And, and other than going around and meeting people, because, you know, we hear this over and over and over how, you know, effective that is. And, yeah. um, you know, any other, you know, things that you did early on that you really think were like, a, I had a break, I did this and I got a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th I think it was that, I think, you know, then we, you know, I started, um, uh, doing combined fun functional rhinoplasty cases with some of the rhinologists in the community. So, so I developed a, 
you know, a reputation based on skin cancer reconstruction and, and functional rhinoplasty, which I think is fairly typical yeah. um, with facial plastic surgeons. Um, and it was really my skin cancer patients that's then started turning into aging face patients. So how did you break into that? I mean, because, you know, so it's we, just, you know, I talk to fellows who leave and they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, it took me eight months to get my first face up. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. You know, people yeah. think they're just dropping out. Of, you know, you're, you know, you're with a fellowship director who's doing two or three or four a week. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah. where are they? You know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know what it was? I, I, so when I was in New York, I did, I did some, some facelifts and I did some rhinoplasties, you know, wasn't as big a part of my practice as it was now, but I had some, I had some decent before and afters. And so when I designed my office in every room, I put a, a touchscreen computer on the wall. And I mean, this is, this is something to this day is worth really well. And I just put um, these before and afters and I put it on a, um, like a slideshow setting. Yeah. So the patients would come in the room, they'd be waiting for me. And there'd be a slideshow of, you know, some of these things I did. And even now it's amazing how that, you know, patients see that like, oh man, I want that. Oh, that's so good. And, um, you know, they tell their friends, you know, and so a lot of my skin cancer patients would come in and, you know, be like, oh, wow, you do, you know, you do facelifts and you do that, you know, and that looks really good. And, um, you know, they might not come back right away, but, you know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of them were older patients in like Hilton Head and, you know, with means and, you know, you you do their old bilobe flap or something like that. And they're happy they didn't have a scar. And, and they tell, you know, they live in a retirement community and they tell them, you know, this guy fixed this and, oh, he does facelifts too. And so it was kind of, kind of one of those things you just, you know, it, it's really, my area is really a word of mouth market, yeah. not so much a, um, we don't have to aggressively market digitally or anything like that, you know. And so I did some of that, but I think it was really word of market, which I think is is a good a good way to. Yeah, market. I mean, there was um, a a patient that I did a facelift on a couple of years ago, and you know the young guys don't want to hear this, but it's it's the truth. I I asked her so how you know I still remember her granddaughter, you know, how did you end up here? And she well, you know, she was from Little Falls, and she says well. I remember you took care of my daughter, granddaughter's, you know, hem angioma and the granddaughter's like 20 mm -hmm. years old now. So 20 years later, 20, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, this woman comes in to see me. So it's, I, I do still feel word of mouth and good care goes a mm -hmm. long ways. And, you know, I, I think uh, to some degree, we all feel dirty with this you know, digital social media, everything, everything, but the reality is, uh, in most communities, you know, the, the, you'll get it. People, we're all getting people from out of the area, but yeah. you, you still, a lot of it's relationship and, you know, and that any other things you did early, I know that you were like, you felt like that was a, a turning point with the practice with aging mm -hmm. face and, and rhinoplasty. I've heard one of my, one yeah. of the guys interview was said that he, and I thought this was brilliant. He went into an, a fairly, fairly competitive area and he, struck up a relationship with the allergists because the allergists get they don't like mm -hmm. the ANT guys anyway you know they think that they're mm -hmm. you know they think that they're you know practicing their allergy um mm -hmm. so he he befriended you know the allergists um mm -hmm. and always made sure they went back any other like words of advice to someone like this was a real yeah. thing i did it just paid off because we all do stupid stuff too right sure sure 
Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing we did too was we started, you know, we're going back almost 10 years now. We started doing a lot on social media when the other practices weren't. So, yeah. And we we really did it from an educate, and I, we still do it like this. We really tried to do it from an educational standpoint. Like a lot of the competitive competing practices around here, they don't put before and afters up. You, yeah. you know, they're not they're not a part of their marketing, you know, um, plan. Yeah. Um, so we we started doing a lot of before and afters on social media, um, and just a lot of you know videos and things like that. And so, especially for my rhinoplasty practice. That's something that helped that develop for sure. Um, Does it take a lot of, of your time? Uh, yeah. I mean, painful, I have a right? It's painful. I have a company that does it, but I, I still haven't figured out. My, my goal with the new space is really to get a dedicated full-time social media person. But um, I, I mean, I see what you do and I, I feel the pain because I know, no, you could have, you, you know, me. Do I yourself. don't like that stuff. <laughs> I know. And I don't like it too. It's, it's, I don't like doing it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a naturally kind of an introverted person. Oh so yeah. you're never going to see me doing any dances or anything like that. Yeah. So Juggling. I really kind of, <laughs> no, no, but I do, I do like to educate and kind of explain why we did this and show our work. And so that's what I've tried to do with our social media. Um, and it's gotten a really good, uh, fee you know, we've gotten really good feedback in the community for it, but it is a pain because, yeah. you know, it'll be like Thursday and I haven't put anything together and, know. you know, I'm like, oh, what do I, what do I got to do? And, um, and now with like reels and you got to put videos out yeah. and, and so, and, and I can give the content to my social media person. But inevitably, they don't put it together the way I want it to right, because right. you're the educator. You gotta, you gotta do it. So I think, yeah. I don't know. And I, I see, you know, some of our colleagues, and I watch it. And I'm like, I know they're having to do it too because yeah. I just don't think that's something you can fully delegate. So we've learned some things. You know, we we had mm -hmm. a, a, a miserable disaster which I don't need to go into around 2015, I decided we got to do something with marketing, you know? So mm -hmm. we hired a company. It was an incredible disaster, you know, and uh, we spent a fortune on it. And and I did learn and, and social media has to be in-house. It's social. Mm -hmm. yeah. there, you can't, you know, you can't fake who you are. And I, I it, it kind of turns my stomach to some degree because you see like the world renowned Beverly Hills. I'm like, who is this guy? And you find out he's been out a year, yeah. you know, and yeah. you know, my, you know, my, 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 our, our, you know, marketing, um, you know, one of the marketing people says to me like, do you know this doctor so-and-so? And I know his name and I'm like, oh my God, he's been out a year. But you know, they think right. he's somebody cause he's got, you know, paying for yeah. likes and paying for, you know, yeah. all this traffic and stuff. Um, we realized it had to come in house and what we started to do was build a, and it, it was painful, but we started to build a marketing team. And, mm -hmm. um, and so a couple things, no one goes to school and get a marketing degree to be Dr. Minton's, uh, right. uh, social media because mm -hmm. they, they outgrow that position, you know? So mm -hmm. you get about a year with them <laughs> and you got turnovers. <laughs> And it's painful. It's painful. But yeah. one of the things that I, you probably notice, I mean, I personally have really cut back. I just, I, I just like, I'm kind of a quiet introverted person to some degree and mm -hmm. I just can't stand to look at me and we had a yeah. great weekend and, but the reality is, <laughs> but they, but their patients, if you're not, if you don't post for a while, they're like, where you, where you been? Well, you know, the thing is, you know, when I, 
and I haven't now in a while, mm-hmm. you know, Lexi does a lot of my stuff, but, um, mm-hmm. and you know, she's gotten to know me and, and, and so one pearl is, um, so we have three full-time people now and we're adding a fourth, but I also have mm-hmm. a lot of people I got to support. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's become a you know problem that you know the doctors they, they monopolize their time and you know and they undermine shit and I mean it's just it's it's a challenge. Um, yeah, you can see my pain. It's I know. I, I, I feel it too. I had my and social I media person my, in with me you know, today. It's, it's like we have one person who, I mean, um, actually the three people we have are absolutely phenomenal now. You know, mm-hmm. but we we had some struggles with it, real struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the doctors go in and try to, you know, push their agenda. And and in reality, you know, we have a team, we agree in a plan, and, and this is a whole marketing plan. And you know, you, you can't go in and say, I want this, I want this, I want this, when you know, and then expect them to produce results because you mm-hmm. know, they do know better than what we do do. So uh, we've learned an awful lot about it, but what I've resigned myself to is what you said. I just, I like to teach. So if mm-hmm. I can do that and educate, you know, and I actually actually started to weave in, as you know, you know, my brewing advice, I started to weave in my business pearls and things because yeah. colleagues oh, like to hear that stuff. Right. And in, in the beginning I was like, is that really sending the wrong message to our patients? But the reality is it helps everything you know, because people, you know, that, colleagues who also you know so but it's been it's been a challenge yeah and i think they i think the patients really they want to kind of check your personality out a little bit no question so, you know i get comments about oh you know your family so beautiful you know so but i've actually done a lot less with that recently because yeah. like this weekend we had easter and we had our, and you know my yeah. wife posts a lot of that stuff but i'm like yeah. do i really want to you know uh anyway Yeah, I kind of, I'll do a family post like, you know, maybe once a month. And then what I try to do is if I can't get it done on the weekend, I'll try and do one or two videos on a weekend. And usually it's around either, you know, a before and after photograph or like a little teaching pearl. Right. Um, and, And then I'll release them during the week, you know, and it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes on the weekend I got something going on. Right. Um, but it's, um, unfortunately, I think, you, you know, you're, I mean, I think we're in facial plastics, you know, the good thing is, I think as an went with aging face patients, they're not as social media savvy as the younger patients. So it's not as critical, Yeah. but, um, but I still think, you know, you got to stay relevant on there. You have to, it's, yeah, it's you our, absolutely have to, you can't just say, yeah. I'm not doing that. I only got five more right. years of practice or some nonsense. Right. Yeah. Any other, you know, big lessons you've learned as of you know, the last five years? Well, I think I've learned, I've learned, you know, and this is probably something that, that most, you know, mid-career plastic surgeons learn is like, you know, when to say no and not take oh, yeah. certain patients and use your gut to kind of say, you know what, you know, because it's probably happened to us all, you know, early on. Oh, younger, yeah. You, you want to do the case, you want to. You want to do the you know revision rhinoplasty where they've had five surgeries already and you know you can help them and you know it's just you know you had a couple disasters on your hands and you kind of and one of them sneaks through now and then even you know as 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 i had one the other day because i rarely open a nose now and 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 Mm -hmm. so 
Allison, our manager, says this got kicked up to her from the patient, the PCCs, and this guy called. He was referred from a dermatologist locally. That's well, a great refer. You know, I think I've gotten better at like you know those tough, tough love talks with the patients. Yeah. You know, where they're, you know, you know, sometimes they're. Oh, I know. You know, edgy. When you're you know, young, they're, they're, and they see, you know, they see, you know, you don't yeah. have gray hair, and they, you know, you know, they they can eat you alive. Some of those, and mm-hmm. fellows will come out of the room and be like. I just don't know how I'm going to handle that. You know, you said been doing this yeah. for 30 years and you've done thousands and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, you got a gray hair. Like, how do you handle that? You know, yeah. early on, and I said, well, you know, you just, you just have to change the message a little bit. What, what's, mm-hmm. you know, just cause I, I want to respect your time and, and we try to keep it to about 45 minutes. What, mm-hmm. what do you see is that, you know, I'm so for, for people who are listening, I'm actually, one of my goals is to visit every one of my fellows at their home and, and uh, you know, see their, practice and I'm going out to see Genevan back in June, who's in Minneapolis. She was my last year fellow. Um, so I'm trying to get around and I'm going to come down and visit Tim in, in early May. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you and I'll catch up a lot more, but what's, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what's the future for you, you, you know, five mm-hmm. years, 10 years, uh, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought a lot about that recently because of what, you know, we're building this building. It's a large building. It's not like your building. <laughs> But it's a big building for me, and it's a surgery center. They're all big, <laughs> and so you know, I kind of, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm working with, um, you know, some consultants and just kind of like figuring out, well, what do I want to do this, and so, so I mean, I think I, you know, I would like to, um, I'd like to have a little bit more control over my work schedule and have the option of working a little less, and um, and also. Um, I would like to, you know, probably bring on an associate, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for a full partner at this point, but, you know, associate at some point, you know, especially if we completely give up the reconstruction, I think there's a great opportunity. And, you know, we've talked to, tossed about the, tossed around the idea. I think it, we have an opportunity for a fellowship. So those are some of the, some of the things that, you know, I've, I've thought that would, um, you know, once we have the facility to support all that, you know, we would kind of look at as the next, kind of the next step in the, uh, the practice morphology. Um, but I, you know, I think I just, I want to have, keep having more and more control over what I do when I do it. And, um, and just, you know, and keep, I, I really enjoy what I do, but, um, you know, I just want to want to do it on my terms. I hear you. you know, I, think, I hear you. I, think, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is doing it all yeah. on your terms People yeah. keep asking me when you're going to retire. I'm not going to be one of those people that they're snickering about. I just turned 64, but I'm no. not going to be one of those people when I, you know, I, I can promise you I will be doing surgery at 70 and maybe yeah. 68, not even, I don't know. And it's a weird thing to think about. It's a real weird thing because, but I know so many of my colleagues that just hang on until they're in their mid or even late seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've always planned for that, but I think the key and you and I'll talk more about it when I come down there, but is you know, planning, being very deliberate and intentional about your plan. I always have, as you know, I'm fanatical about it, but, um, you know, designing a plan, including a succession, because, um, you know, there's always so much a Dr. Mint and, and, you know, God forbid something happened to you, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's scary. Have you thought about bringing on a plastic surgeon? No, maybe. you know, I almost brought one on two years ago. Um, yeah. There was a, there was a body plastic surgeon, a female that wanted. You know, as we were talking, we were negotiating, and um, you know, it kind of it it got down to you know just, and I don't know if you've dealt with this with 
I have, and I'll share surgeons, more with you when I you know, see you. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, wanted so much, you know, for, and, and so it just didn't work out. And then, you know, now I've re- rethought things and I, you know, I kind of just, I think that we've really defined ourselves as a specialty, specialty practice. Yeah. And I, I think if you, it, you know, at least in, in my eyes, I know you've been able to do it very successfully, but. Yeah, but not without its challenges. Yeah. I mean, bringing on a body plastic surgeon would kind of maybe dilute us a little bit to just mm-hmm. another plastic surgery practice. So, um, you know, that may change, but I, I think the direction, you know, mm-hmm. we will just want to continue as a facial plastics, mm-hmm. you know, specialty practice. Yeah. So, you know, well, you know, I talked to Mike, uh, you know, I went to, went to visit Mike Nyack. I flew out mm-hmm. there and I, I, um, I remember talking to him about it and he basically had the same thought. He said that I don't want to deal with it, but I, you know, I want to focus on my thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's pluses and minus of that. And we can, we can debate it when I come down there. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, you know, there are challenges with it. One thing you have really going for you is you have, because people ask me all the time, I want to bring in a plastic surgeon. I'm like, well, why? And of course their reasons are more financially motivated than, than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, but the, but the big thing I tell people is that, you know, first of all, ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the second, some people, a lot of people say, cause I want to keep them in the practice. And I think that's legit. Um, mm-hmm. but the other thing, um, that you have going for you is you have something to offer them. If you have a busy facial plastic practice and you have a facility in OR, now you have something, you have an offering because right. the problem you have with people who want to bring, oh, I want a guaranteed salary of this and this and this. And it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm I'm a mm-hmm. one person practice. I I can't. And by the way, they don't want to take risk. You know, they want to take they want mm-hmm. the guarantees and they want the high end pay and all that. So it does become you almost have to be willing to walk away from the negotiation very quick. You know, very mm-hmm. uh, without you know wanting it too much. And that was my big failure early on. I wanted to bring on someone to, and I made too many concessions. And and ultimately, I you know I lost money on that deal. This is years ago before Pawnees. Look, I really want to you know just thank you. Any, you know, questions you have for me, just in parting that you think would be helpful for other people, things that maybe you just, you know, you can ask me in a few weeks, but, you know, any, any questions that you have that you've been, you've been kind of been on your mind or, or things you think you could help, help somebody else, you know, going down the road? Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think that every practice situation is so unique and, you know, you we think that, you know, you know, why reinvent the wheel and, and kind of stick to a protocol of how people do it. But it's so hard to figure out, you know, even though I had you as a mentor, it, it's been, it's challenging along the way to deal with these different business type situations and staff situations and things like that. I guess, I don't know. I think that, that, you know, I think what you're doing is great. And, and, and I, I would encourage, you know, especially new, new facial plastic stocks to like, just latch on to a mentorship program. You know, um, I just think that that, that help, you know, you're going to figure it out and, and I've, I'm figuring it out, but I think that, you know, we just get so caught up in our own little world that, um, I, I wish I had probably taken advantage of that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, what's hard until you're in it. I mean, we're actually, I've got, I've got a consultant that's really pushing me to do, you know, bring back one of my masterminds again. And I, I do mm-hmm. feel they're invaluable. I mean, the, the letters I get afterwards and, and I, it's not a great use of my time, honestly, you know, it can make mm-hmm. more money in the OR, but I do find it rewarding. And 
people bring to that their challenges and problems and their one and three and five year, um, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with one little pearl that I think is worthwhile for people trying to, because this is something we learned with, with our, our social media and marketing is that, you know, we are bring we have put together a path for them to not just be the social media people because no one wants to just do your social media forever, you know? So mm -hmm. we actually have them, you know, everyone wants to develop in their career. So we are trying to build a marketing department with a, you know, path for them to do more real marketing and planning mm -hmm. and strategy. And I think that's been very helpful for retention. And mm -hmm. I, uh, so just keep that in the back of your mind. As that's a goal. Well, it is no, a good goal. It's like, yeah. the, you know, there isn't a nurse out there that's doing Botox that doesn't want a path to become an NP. That's right. another pearl that we're working on with our training programs, because if we can do that for them, mm -hmm. just like our doctors, no one's satisfied just doing, but like Alexi, who does our, our, does my social is phenomenal. She's really smart. Mm -hmm. She's a college educated kid, but we, she's taking on more and more responsibility and creativity mm -hmm. and uh, not just quote doing my social. And I, if I were, that's a lesson that took me several years to figure out. And so, you know, we're trying to make it a career that yeah. people want to stay on with us because, mm -hmm. as you know, the turnover. Um, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. And, um, and then you start all over for people getting to yeah. know. So if I can leave yeah. people with the party, no, uh, just like any business, you know, we're trying to grow a business, yeah. but we're trying to grow that department. We, uh, mm -hmm. we have, our, you know, our marketing department is, you know, we, it's really cool. It's, um, you know, get the desks go up and down and, and, uh, and we, we get together with them and we have a plan and strategy and whatever. And it, I think it's been, I think it's really been good for our, our, because people see a future there, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just going to do Dr. Minton social. So just keep yeah. that in mind. I think it's, and I, I'm throwing it out to help other people because I think that's mm -hmm. been very helpful for us. So. Now, thank you so much for your, your mentorship. I mean, you're, you're really an awesome doc, an awesome person. And what you I do for it. our Thanks. community of physicians yeah. is great. So I appreciate well, it. I have a ton of respect for you. So, you know, Thanks. feelings mutual. So thanks, Tim. Yeah. So yeah, right. we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks.